You've just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Corel Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Corral, and I'm super, super excited, as usual, to be kicking it with you. We are still in the series, Seek E First, and today the topic is Seek E First, The Hope Dealer. Who are we seeking first? The Hope Dealer. And the song that came to me, you know I like to sing for you guys, but I just couldn't think or pray or prepare about a topic on hope without thinking about the song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of around is sinking sand. All of around is sinking sand. There we go. So today we're talking about hope, which is a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. And I know a lot of people may be in a situation where hope is sometimes hard to have because sometimes the things that you are hoping for don't happen. So when I talk today about when you seek God first, you have hope. Some people have said, yeah, I sought God first and I had a hope for a certain things, certain things that I, I really thought that God told me was going to happen, but it didn't happen. And so, you know, the Bible said hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so a lot of people, our heart is sick. Our heart is sick because we did have hope. And it didn't happen. But what I want you to consider as we talk a little today is, was your faith and your hope on Christ, was that the sinking, was it on a sinking sand or, or was it on a solid rock? And the reason why I say that is because sometimes we are hoping for certain things. Sometimes we are hoping for things that God told us was going to happen, but our hope if we're honest, was more on a certain timeline or a certain way that it was going to happen. And those things are what mess us up. It's not that God forgot his promise. It's that our hope wasn't on God and on his timing and his way. Our hope was actually in a certain time. So this week, and I, I, I usually don't like to be as transparent about certain things that I'm doing in preparation for a spouse, because you're just like, nobody else has to go through all of this. Nobody has to do this. So the last few years, I would say the last five years, I've known about a pray for your future spouse challenge. And I think it started in 2017, but I had been following this couple from 2013 when I took the year off of dating. When I took the year off of dating, I was consuming a lot of content. And so in 2013, I found this couple about their Facebook love story, Jamal and Natasha. So I had been following them from 2013. So when they created this challenge in 2017, I was like, oh, this, this seems like something to look into, pray for your future spouse. And so I think I saw the group. I don't think I talked to the group at all. 
And I think I might've gone to one or two sessions. So in 2018, I was like, I am going to take this seriously. And it was like morning and evening sessions. And it was the hardest thing for me to keep up with. I was just like, this is a lot. This is too much. So I think I did a good bit of it, but I don't think that I did a whole lot of it, (laughs) Um, a good bit of it. But by the end of it, I said that I wanted to go into their course because I had been in the space of being an entrepreneur for a few years by then. And I kind of learned the, you know, you're going to get something free, but they're going to sell you something after. I remember doing my book. That was the first time I ever had the experience. I was writing the book and I had no idea how to write a book. And so someone sent me to this free workshop on how to write a book. And I was like, great. But then there was a sale pitch at the end. And I was like, ah, so it was around that time, which was like 2015. I had gotten the hang of, if somebody's giving you something for free, turns out at the end, they're going to ask you to pay for something, which is understandable. They've given their time for free, but I just, I knew it was a tactic. So at the end of 2018, I said, I kind of want to see how they set this thing up because going into the space of training and development, our company hadn't launched into that space as yet, but I knew it was something that I wanted to explore at some point. And so I, I kind of went in to kind of understand how these things work. And so I didn't think that I was going to have a meet at the end. Um, I hope was not into, but I, I do believe that, you know, from 2013, when I took the year off of dating, that God was preparing me for the kind of spouse that he wanted me to be connected to. But I just didn't, I didn't go into the program for those reasons. It was like more of a business mindset reason. I also saw like this couple that was my age was making like a close to a million dollars off of programs. And I was like, how did they do that? I just kind of wanted to understand the mind of somebody who was able to do that if I'm being completely transparent. And so I went into the course with that mindset. I finished it and everything, but I wasn't that active. I wasn't that involved. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, I did it. I saw how they, you know, did what they did business-wise. And of course, like I thought, there was no husband at the end of it. So I'm good. So 2019, I'm pretty sure they did the Pray for Your Future Spouse Challenge, but this is also the anniversary week of the passing of my brother who passed in 2019. So I was probably either sleeping in a hospital or sleeping because that's all I did uh, all of August of 2019. So I'm pretty sure they probably had the challenge, but I had no awareness of it happening. In 2020, which was last year, I had received so many prophecies that your spouse is coming, your spouse is coming, your spouse is coming. And so for me, <laughs> thinking like, okay, if I got the prophetic word, it's like eight different prophetic words. Um, that means they're coming like tomorrow in my mind. Again, my timing. And so I'm thinking, yeah, they're coming tomorrow. And so, yeah, that didn't happen. As you guys know, I'm still single. And <laughs> so when I when the challenge came about, I actually met someone during that time. And it was extremely low-key, extremely nothing to write home about. That's why you guys have never heard me talk about it on the podcast. Um, but I thought, like, because I had met them during that week, that maybe this is the person that everybody had been talking about. And it was this whole buildup. And that did not go anywhere. Um, but the thing about it was during that, you know, pray for your future spouse challenge. I didn't think I needed to enter into the TOU, which is the, because I'd already done it. And I was just like, yeah, you guys should enter. I did it already. And I was just like, yeah. So I did the challenge every day. I was very committed to going morning and night. I went on a fast. I had other people joining me. I actually invited other people to do it. And the funny thing is one of my mentees that I invited to do it met her future spouse. She didn't, I don't even think she did a challenge. I think she went to one or two sessions, but she actually met her spouse. He's not her spouse yet. They will be, they're engaged, but they will be married 
at the end of the year, but she met him during that same week that I sent it to her. I just felt led to send it to a lot of people. This year, I prayed for people during the week, but I didn't feel like, like last year, I was like sending it to people like, you need to do this. And I was giving it to them. But this year, I think I only did this with one young lady who I'd been praying for for a long time. And I sent it to her just solely. And so I went through all of that last year and still uh, came back to 2021 and was like, okay, this challenge again. And I just get really nervous about putting myself out there. And I just, I don't even knew that I was going to share it on the podcast today, but I just felt God, you know, pushing me to say that this is something that he wanted me to share with you guys, because it's something I'm still in the midst of. And so it's easy to talk about hope when you've reached a final destination. It's easy to talk about, I have a hope for something and I'm putting action behind that hope. And so I did it this year and I, I was, and it's so funny that a few years ago doing the sessions morning and night felt extremely taxing and something that I never felt like I could finish. Whereas in the last two years I've been able to do morning and evening and it's just a part of my routine. And it's just part of doing the work of everything that God has for me to do. And I joined TOU again. I joined for the right reasons this time, <laughs> not about business, not about trying to figure out how people my age are making so much money off of a program, not about community development, just seeking the fact that when you do get a prophetic word, one of the things that God told me was when you do get a prophetic word, that prophetic word is a warning of something God wants you to do. It's a a mission that God wants you to complete. There's a purpose. There's a reason that God is saying it. It's not only so you can feel like, oh my God, praise God. God hears my prayers. Thanks for this prophetic word. Like, I didn't know if God be listening to me. Like, and God's like, no, it's actually not about you. The prophetic word of the thing that this thing is going to come to pass is not about you. It's not about being able to say, okay, finally, I'm not the, you know, person who it just never happened for. I'm no longer looked in society as, oh, it's not happening for her. You no longer feel like, oh, I have to be so focused on this particular thing. It's just, it's none of that. <laughs> That's not why I'm giving you the prophetic word. The prophetic word is because there is something that I have purpose to do in the earth with your marriage. And so the hope is not about, it's not about you. It's not about, oh, it finally happened for me. It's not about, oh, I'm about to you know, have a different kind of life. I'm about to stand on the ground. It's not, it's not about anything. Oh, I'm finally going to be all the children. It's not about you. It's about something that I need to do in the earth. So the prophetic word keeps coming back because I don't need you to lose hope because I need you to do something in the earth. So one of the things why I told you about the pray for your future spouse challenge, why I wanted to share with you. So there were several lessons this work. My notebook is filled with amazing lessons, amazing downloads that God has been trying to reveal to me. But one of the things that was said on the Wednesday night, was what is your purpose for marriage, which was something that a mentor asked me way before I took the year off of dating that shook me to my core. And just reading books like, if you've ever read The Meaning of Marriage, please read that. That's really great. And A Sacred Marriage, which is also extremely good. I read that this year, which says, what if your marriage was designed to make you holy and not happy? And I've just been, you know, hearing messages this week, even outside of the Pray for Your Future Spouse Challenges podcast episodes on different things surrounding this topic and just realizing you know that God is preparing me for for something that's really special and something great in the earth and one of the prophetic words I got this year was there, there are things that you have to do so I don't need you to lose hope in this because there's something that God has to do so during the pray for your future spouse challenge one of the messages that was really good is he said what is the reason you want marriage and he said one of the, the 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 main reason that you should be desiring it is because your marriage will be a message and it's sort of like the quote where they said you know 
you know, watch the way that you live your life. You don't have to be someone who's always, you know, throwing the Bible at someone because sometimes your life is the only Bible that someone will ever read. Sometimes your life, the way you live your life is the only Bible that a lot of people will ever read. So there's not a lot of people that are going to sit down and read and study the scriptures and go over those, all of those things. But there are a lot of people that will watch that the person is faithful. They're humil- They're humble. They're going after what God told them to do. They're being obedient. They're giving up of themselves. They're sowing so much and not seeming like they're getting anything in return. But the reason they're giving up of themselves so much is because of the God in them. And what he was saying was, it's not about you. It's not about all of, you know, companionship. All of those are icing. Those are extra things. It's not about, oh, I'm finally gonna have a family. It's not about those things. Those are extra things. What it is, is there's a message that God wants to do in the earth through marriage. And that is the purpose of why he has it for you. And so when I get a prophetic word, God is like, the prophetic word isn't to comfort you to say, oh yes, finally victory for me. People will see that God came through for me. It's because I have something for you to do in the earth. And I do not want you to lose hope about what I have designed for you to do in the earth. I don't want you to lose hope. I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to think that I have decided not to bring it about because when it happens, it's about what I want to do in the earth and I have to do it within the earth and therefore have hope that's built on me, not built on your timing, not built on how it looks, not built on the way that you thought it was going to manifest itself, but built on the fact that I have a purpose for it. And so in my timing and in my way, my purpose will be revealed. So the story that that reminded me of today is usually when people think about, you know, preparing for a maid and all of that stuff and having hope when it comes to that, they usually think about Ruth and Boaz. That's not, that's not the story I go to. I go to Isaac and Rebecca because of the fact that of how it happened, of the faith of Isaac's father, the fact that Isaac didn't, wasn't, wasn't the one like making it happen. And Rebecca wasn't the one that making it happen. They both were just going about their normal activities of what God has called them to do and the purpose of what God needed to do in the earth happened. So after Sarah passed away, she, Abraham told his servant that I need you to find a wife for my son, Isaac. Isaac was almost 40 at this time, which is funny, right? Because I am not almost 40, but I'm 36. And, you know, today we feel like there's a stigma if you're not married by your twenties. Yet in that day, they're like, oh, well, people die, you know, much younger these days, they're not living till 175. But the thing about it to me was that age is relative and that we need to release certain things. And so Isaac was almost 40. He was 40 when he married Rebecca and he still wasn't going after that. His father told the servant, like, I need you to find a wife for my son. And so the servant was like, yeah, okay, what do you need me to do? And he was like, you need to go back to my hometown. You know, God doesn't want him to be united to someone who's a Canaanite woman. So you have to go back to my hometown. So the servant's all like doubting, like go back to your hometown. Like, bro, I don't know if that's gonna work because your hometown is really far. And what if we go to that hometown and nobody wants to leave with me? Like, how do we, and God's like, no, like it's gonna happen. He said, you know, for the Lord, the God of heaven who took me from my father's house and my native land solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angels ahead of you and he will see that you will find a wife there for my son. So period, that's what's gonna happen. That's what we're doing. So I need you to just go. And so his servant was like, okay. 
And so he goes and he, you know, he prays. He's like, God, I need you to give me a sign. And don't we do that so many times? But what we have to realize is even before he prayed for the sign, he received a prophetic word from someone who was in direct communication with God. And even in that word, Abraham went on and say, if she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. And so we know that, you know, people prophesy in part. And so therefore it's just willing to just have hope and trust in the word. And if that is the word, then it will come to pass. And if it's not, if someone heard wrong, if they are interpreting something wrong with God said, you're free from the oath, but he already got that, that sign. So he said, he already got that prophetic word. So when he asked for the sign, it was coming out of prophetic word that came from God. And so what do I mean when I say that? I don't want you to blindly ask for signs because I know that I have blindly asked for signs so many times. I have interpreted things as signs and say, okay, this is my sign. I'm going to run with it. But your hope can't be built on a sign. Your hope has to be built on God. And so he asked God, you know, if she allows, if she draws water for me and draws water for the camels, then I know that's a woman. So she did that. So then I was like, okay, that's the first confirmation. It's like Gideon, you need more than one confirmation. And so it's one thing to get one confirmation, but if your hope is built on Christ, you're willing to go confirmation after confirmation. So after that, she, he gave her the nose ring, he gave her the bracelets, and he went to her home, explained the whole thing to her family, and the family agreed. And she was like, okay, success, praise God. Like this actually happened, happened exactly how they said it was going to happen. So the next day, he was like, okay, I want to take her back to home. And there's a lot of faith for someone to be doing this. And what I liked, because the first time the family just said yes, and you didn't hear from Rebecca. But the second time when he said he's ready to go the next day, the family was like, nah, she needs to stay here for like 10 days. And he was like, no, please let me go back to my servant. Like it's time to go. And so they asked her and she said, no, I will go with the man. And she went with the man. They came in the field. Um, they saw Isaac who had just left meditating and praying and in that moment she asked who's that in the field and he said that is my master so she covered her veil and then they went into his mother's tent and she became his wife and it said that Rebecca was very loved by Isaac and he comforted her he, she was a comfort to him in his moment of grief of losing his mother and so there was a purpose of them aligning not only about the fact that she brought him comfort, but we know that Abraham knew that God said, through your son, Isaac, you will have many descendants. And so in order for me to have many descendants and the promise is fulfilled, yes, marry. God does not want him to marry a woman from this city. So the woman will come back with him. And that is what happened. And so when you talk about hope, you're like, okay, great. But that happened so fast for them. There are three things I want you to remember when we think about hope. The first thing is it has to be God's will. It has to be God's will. It has to be God's will. And when I release, when I release to God's will, you trust in the evidence of his grace. So how do I, how do I release to God's will? You trust in the evidence of his grace. You trust in the evidence of his grace. So the reason why I feel Abraham was so confident telling that servant, like you go to my hometown, bring a wife back. She will come back with you. The reason why I feel he was so confident to say that is because he remembers waiting on Isaac for 25 years. He was 75 when God gave him the promise of Isaac and Isaac came when he was 100. I wanna to say to someone who's received a promise from God in your time of prayer, or you've received a prophetic word, feeling as if, I don't know if this is gonna happen. I, I, don't, I don't know because I have hope in Christ, but it's been forever. My 
my reminder to you is look at Abraham because he had to wait 25 years. And just because a prophetic word came, it doesn't mean that it's happening tomorrow, but that doesn't mean you remove your hope from Christ. And so Abraham was able to go back and look at the evidence of God's grace. When something is God's will, you can look back. And so for me, when I get overwhelmed about things that I feel that God has promised me, and it's hard to have hope in his will and hope in God and his, his timing and everything that he's about to do, and the fact that he's sovereign, when it gets hard to do that, I go back to trusting the evidence of his grace. I go back to the time when I was working a job that I did not love, that I wanted out of the job. I go back to that time and then I realize, you remember there was years of sitting there, of wanting to move, of wanting to have another profession. And then it just happened. Like now when I look back, that was 2014 when I left. It's 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, seven years. It was seven years ago. And so every time I'm like, oh God, like I know there's more than this. Oh God, I know that you have more for me to do. I just go back to that, that time of sitting on that job of saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I want something more. And I just remind myself of the evidence of God's grace. And I remind myself that even though I knew that I was going to be there forever, there were years before I left. There was years, I was in the system for eight and a half years. So I always knew that this was in my forever journey. I always knew that. But I had to wait on what God was saying when he said, now is the time to move. So the first one is his will. We have to be, and this, this, these three, these three points, his will, starting with his will was my theme this week in Pray for Your Future Spouse Challenge. It was a theme of what I reminded myself when I introduced myself in the group. It was a theme that I wanted to give to the other people. Because when you go into this and after being in it for five years, I was telling you it's going to be a life-changing week. And for some people, they think the only way praying for my future spouse will be a life-changing week is if at the end of the week, I have a spouse. But doing this for five years, I knew that you, you could go through the whole five days and not meet the one. Clearly, it's been five years. And, but I knew that through that time, either I was going to leave with an opportunity, I was going to leave with a new perspective, which is so many new perspectives. I was going to leave with a person and that person doesn't always have to be my spouse. It could be a connection, an opportunity, you know, a friend, somebody that you meet in that sense. And I do think that God was able to do that for a lot of people if you were open, whether it was perspective, whether it was your spouse, whether it was an opportunity, a friend, something like that. I think that God was able to do it, but we have to be able to put our hope and trust in him and his will. So the second one is his way. We have to be able to trust the way that God is going to do it. And one of the things that God was reminding me every time I'm having hope for something, if you believe God can do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask or think, exceedingly abundantly more. So the servant, when he told the servant, when Abraham told the servant, you're going to go to my hometown and you're going to find a wife there for my son. The servant said, like, what if she doesn't want to come back? Yeah, I know you're very adamant about, you know, your son marrying your people. So does that mean that I just take Isaac to live there with him? No, no, under no circumstance. You're not taking my son there. You're not. Either my son won't even have descendants because this land that we live on was the land that was promised to us. This is the land. 
This is the land that was promised to my descendants. So you cannot leave the land that was promised to my descendants. And so that goes back to the way that you have hope in Christ is you need to know the word of God. If I want to know the way of God, I need to know the word of God. If you need to, if you, if you're going to know the way of God, you need to know the word of God. And when you know the word of God, you know, he can be, you believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or think or fathom. And so the servant couldn't think past of who's going to randomly, like, it just doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to randomly leave their home and come back with a random servant. Like, I don't even think I have that much authority and power. He, he's not even going to go with me when I go. I'm just going, you know, with your name and saying these things. And if the person doesn't want to come back, which is likely to happen, then you are saying that you need me to go and bring her back like that's I just I just don't see how that can happen I just don't I just don't see it and so what happens is that he goes and she comes back and but what Abraham was really realizing is that God, God could do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask think or fathom God could do it and I've seen God do it in my life and I'm reading a Bornology's book right now on bamboozled by Jesus and she was saying how she felt led to go to New York to pursue being a comedian and an actress and how she had $500 saved and $450 for an acting class. $50 was for a bus. And so she said, where am I going to live? Where am I going to live? And she put out a message on Facebook and this lady who she had met in Nigeria when she lived there for six months, she only met this lady once, said, call me. And when she called her, she allowed her to move in with her and her parents in their basement and she was able to live there for six months for free. Mighty God. That's another thing that I remember about my journey of going into working. And when I finally left working in the school system and I went to work for the private sector, before they closed the company down, we were going every, before I moved there, we were going like every month looking for a condo. And we almost bought a condo and that wasn't the right one. So we went to another one, bought that and certain things wasn't coming through. And the lady was like, just move in. We'll settle all the paperwork. Once you're, you know, been there, we don't want to keep you out. I know you only moved to Nassau for the job. And so I was living there for like six months and never paid a dime. And then, whereas I had neighbors who paid like $2,000 because it was a, you know, gated community out west nice neighborhood pool everything my neighbors paid two thousand dollars it was a two bedroom two and a half bathroom upstairs downstairs condominium and I was paying nothing for the first six months because we were waiting on the paperwork for that to come through and when it actually did come through it actually never did come through actually and while we were waiting for it to come through I decided to give them $600 a month so that they could pay the condo fees. And so when I had neighbors paying two grand a month, I literally paid $600 a month to live there. It never came through. I was there for about a year. The job didn't work out. So it was fine with us not having a condo. So we were also able to come out of that agreement and not being tied to that. And so that would have never been my way. My way would have been to own a condo, but what would that look like when God said, you're only going to be there for a year? Did I know I was only going to be there for a year? No, but God knew. Same thing with Yvonne Orgy. She didn't know. She was just saying, can I stay on someone's couch? That was her message on Facebook. No, I'm going to give you an entire basement. You're not going to have to pay anything for six months for free. And you're going to live with a family. So you don't feel like you're, you know, stepping on toes with someone who's carrying all the bills themselves. And so God can do exceedingly abundantly. And so the servant was like, oh, do you just want Isaac to go back to your hometown and live there? No, God has promised that we're going to have descendants. And so my hope is built on that. So his will, his way. And the final one is his timing, his timing. 
And that's, I'm reading a book by Devon. I was reading the book, I'm done now. Devon Franklin on expectations. And that was the number one point for me when we have expectations. And that's what hope is, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. The problem with our expectations are we have a certain time that we want the expectation to happen. That point freed me. That point freed me. And I'd say it over and over, remove the timing, remove the timing. And in this sense, remove the timing. Sometimes we think about removing the timing when we think about removing the timing when it's like taking too long. Like 25 years, Abraham didn't expect him to wait. Like me last year when I heard the prophetic words, it's like, all right, this year it's coming. Okay. Um, but what about when the timing is quick? Like, it's like, we're always so focused on the culture of how it would look or how it appears or what we would prefer. And so I wanted to think about some times where something happened more quickly than I expected. And so that's what happened with the servant. Like he told her entire family and the family was like, yes, we agree. We're going to send her back. And the next day he was like, I'm ready to go back. And they were like, nah, she, we want her to stay for 10 more days. He said in Genesis 24 and 56, he said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. And they asked Rebecca and she said she was willing to go. She was willing to go. And the timing was much more quick than we thought. I remember talking to Evidence of His Grace. It's one of the first episodes we have, the very first guest that we have, Crystal Adderley. And she was saying how, I was saying like, that's so amazing because you got married much later in life and you had children right away. She said, yeah, my husband and I, we tried to say that we're going to wait. We tried to put certain things in place, but we knew that God said we would have children right away. And so sometimes we do want these blessings, but we want them on our timeline. And so they wanted Rebecca to wait 10 more days. It was so quick. And, you know, they probably wanted to feel very sure. They wanted to say like, I'm being obedient to God, but I want to be very sure. And he was like, no, let her go the next day. And I tried to think about times because I'm always feeling like God's taken forever. But I know that when I was released from my job and God was like, don't go back to another job. I always knew entrepreneurship was in the works. But to tell you the truth, when I went on that full-time job, I thought I was going to be there for five years. I was like, I want to be in corporate world for five years. Then I'll probably start to do some things that I'm interested in. God was like, actually, you're going to be there for six months, not five years. But my plan was five years. My plan was to work in a corporate environment and to learn all those things for five years. God was like, you're going to work there for six months. I was on the books for a year, but I literally only went in person for six months. Same thing with writing my first book. I was like, when I get married, I will, I will write the book so that I can have a happy ending. You guys, I wrote my first book. I wrote it in 2015. It was released in 2016, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, six years ago, six years ago six years ago. And I was telling God, like, I'm not writing this book today. I've written two books in that time frame, And I didn't want to write a book until I got married because, and I, and I know so many people who say that, oh, until I get married, watch this book. Um, because it's like, I have to, on, on my timeline, this is how it's going to look great to the world. This happy ending. And God's like, no, I need you to do things my way and in my timing and to the culture, it may look like this is not a success, but if your hope is built on me, if my hope is built on Jesus Christ. So sometimes God tells us to wait and sometimes God tells us to go. And we have to be willing to remove at the pace of patience and acceleration when it is God. And so we have to wait. It has to be his will, his way, and his timing. And that has been my theme during the Pray for Your Future Spouse Challenge as I go into the One University and just continue to invest in where God is telling me to go. My anxiety is being removed because 
of the, the lesson that when God brought Isaac and Rebecca together, there was a purpose because there was a promise in the earth that he was going to make Abraham's descendants very successful and in that land. In the scripture, he said, but under no circumstances are you to take my son there because there's a purpose and there's a vision that's going to happen here. And so I have to build my hope on God is going to do it. God is going to do it in his timing. And I'm going to wait for God to do it. I'm going to wait for God to do it in his will, his way, and his timing, because it's not about me. It's not about me achieving a certain thing or being happy in this particular thing. Even though those are byproducts of God bringing the blessings to you, there's a purpose. There was a purpose of Isaac and Rebecca connecting because the long line and the promise of all of the Israelites and God's people, that promise being fulfilled was being fulfilled in that time. And so it may take longer than you expected. And some parts of the season may be much more accelerated. So yes, Isaac was basically 40 when he took on a wife. But the, the, everything was quick. Like there was no dating. There was no engagement. There was just meat and wife. There was just, it was just accelerated. And, and so my reminder to you is that when God is doing it in his will, his way, in his timing, we can't worry about people pleasing. We can't worry about the culture. Our hope can't be in the timeline. Our hope can't be in our way. Our hope can't be in our will. Our hope has to be built on Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. So I want to remind you that in order to seek God first, you have to trust the hope dealer. Your hope has to be built on him. Your hope has to be built on the hope dealer because otherwise, Hope deferred makes the heart sick and your heart is going to get sick because you're placing your hope in something else other than Jesus Christ. You can take it to the bank when it's God. You can take it to the bank when it is God. You can, you can, you can take it to the bank when it is God. He said, Abraham said, God will send his angel ahead of you and he will see it. He will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. God, the thing that you're hoping for, God will see it to happen. It's gonna happen. I don't know the timeline of it. I don't know the way it's gonna happen. And I don't know exactly God's will, but if there is a promise, I want you to hold on to God, not your timing, not your way and not your will. Hold on to what God has said and he will do it for you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.